Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Well, I have an interesting subject to talk about that the Lord laid on my heart a while ago. And something we take for granted, it's something we have so much of. But um, before I proceed, I just want you to take note. I'm going to move to the side here just for a minute. And um, what I have here is some cards for the pastors, okay, and a gift for the pastor and his wife. I plainly wrapped it because I didn't want to distract to the point of my uh, message concerning and understanding the purpose of a gift. Now, before I begin, I would like to tell you those gifts there came at a cost to me. I'm not bragging, but this is all part of the point. There was a value, there was a cash value it took for me to acquire these gifts. But as long as they're sitting on this table, Pastor, they're absolutely worthless. They lost their value. And I lost my investment. As long as they're sitting right there. Now, I'll give you a hint. There's two books. I think you'll like them. Easy reading books. I love easy reading books. You can read one book on an airplane. That's how easy. And then, then there's a couple, uh, I'll be honest, the checks. I won't say the amount, but there's some checks in there as a gift from Sue and I to the pastor. But it's of no value as long as it's sitting on this table. Remember that. Now, what I like to do when I talk on a subject, um, and um, especially when, it, when the subject is a one-word subject, which is gifts or gift, I like to see what the secular world defines a gift at, and then I'll go back and tell you what the Bible defines it. Now, here's a definition of gift out of Wikipedia. A notable capacity, talent, or endowment. Number two, something voluntarily transferred by one person to another without compensation. You give somebody a gift, you don't get payment for it. And number three, it's, it's an act, a right, or power of giving. Now, Miriam, in their example, Miriam Webster says, Here's the example they use. She considers her voice a God-given gift. That's what the dictionary said. That's not the Bible. Okay. In the body of the definition, Webster states, the gift often implies to special favor from God or nature. It's interesting. But one of my favorite one is one out of what they call the free dictionary. They put it this way, something given voluntary without payment in return as to honor a person or an occasion or to provide assistance, a present. Number two, it's, there's an act of giving, a gift is. Number three, something bestowed or acquired without being sought or earned by the receiver. Number four, a special ability or a capacity, a natural endowment, a talent, as an example, they always use this, a gift of music. Some people have the gift to play music. Number five, to give 
some power, capacity, or talent to. Now, that's kind of gifts I'd rather have. It's amazing. And the sixth example is to present somebody with a gift. Let's take a little trip through the Bible, and I'll just give you a few examples of the gifts that God's endowed to us. And then we're going to talk about what are we doing with those gifts. And I'm going to start with Genesis chapter 1, and I'm just going to sum it up real quick and call it the gift of creation. And in chapter 1, verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And here's the gift. Ready? Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves on the earth. God has given us not only the gift of creation, but he's given us a gift of empowerment and told us to have dominion over his creation. In Genesis 2, um, it said, So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to birds of the air, and to the beasts of the field. But Adam... There was not, but for Adam, there was not found a comparable helper. I'm going to jump down to 22. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from Adam, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. You see, now God gave man the woman. What a great gift. He keeps on giving and he keeps on. You know, God has never given a cheap gift. I mean, he goes full bore every time he does. Now, on the other hand, this is interesting, and no, most people probably never looked at it. Right? On the other thing, sometimes, on the other hand, sometimes things don't go quite right. And in Genesis three seventeen, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, God said, "Curses the ground for your sake. In toil, work, you shall eat of it all the days of your life." We all have to work. We have to work all the days of our lives. It seems like a harsh punishment, but when you read the rest of the story, remember Paul Harvey? Where's my older people? Remember Paul Harvey? The rest of the story? Okay. When you read the rest of the story, that's the real kicker. Because the rest of the story goes like this. In Ecclesiastes 3.9, what profit has the worker from which he labors? And I'm going to jump down to verse 13, and it says that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. Let me finish last sentence, part of the sentence. It is a gift of God. So basically, if you're living and you're working, you're creating the income, that is a blessing. And all your needs will be made. And that's a whole other subject we can go into at a different time. But what looked like a curse because of the sin of Adam and Eve, God turned it around in a blessing and made sure that the, the, the needs of mankind were met. So these gifts are like inconceivable. So, so far we can see that the gifts are bigger than we can possibly imagine. Although those gifts there right now have zero value. Right now, as they sit, they're of zero value. But let me talk about a couple other gifts out of Romans chapter 12. 
For I say through the gift, I'm sorry, for I say through the grace given to me, oh wow, God, give me more grace, I need it. To everyone who is among you, and Lord, I'm sure everybody in this room could use more grace, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So a gift to each one of us is a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same functions, just like you were talking about earlier, Pastor. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members to one another. Having then gifts. Here we go again. Having then gifts differing according to the grace. Again, grace is a gift that is given to us. Let us use them. We are commanded to use the gift. Once I give you my gift and you tear it open, it still quite doesn't have value yet until you use it. You know what I mean? The gift has no value until it's used, except it was something of value that the giver passed on. So, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in portion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who sows mercy with cheerfulness. Tell you a funny story over 20 years ago. I stood up here in the middle of the service. It was, I don't know, youth day or something like that. And I was a youth pastor at the time, Chris. Chris, when I was your age, I always had a smile on my face, just like you. <laughs> Keep it. But anyway... I came, I came up, and uh, trust me, the children didn't take my smile away, okay? They bring it back. I brought five of my grandkids with me today. But uh, the, uh, my plea was this. I need help in youth. I got all these kids. We were running 50, 60 kids. I need help. Whatever you can do, the little bit, the least, or whatever, I could use help. So after church... An 80-year-old woman walks up to me. Can I help you with your youth ministry? Of course, you know what's going on in my mind. How is this going to work? I mean, we have, it's a high-energy youth with a gym and everything and outdoor sport. I know what you're thinking, she says. She says, how can a person my age help your ministry? I don't have the youth or the energy to do it. He said, she says, but I have the gift of giving. And she handed me a check for $1,500. Now, what she didn't know, this is the truth, that a friend of mine that goes to another church has lined up a purchase of a sound system for the youth for $1,500. <laughs> Amen. I told him, I'll come up with the money. I don't know how. Go ahead and get it. It was ordered. It was coming in. And this 80-year-old said, my gift is giving. And she stroked, stroked that check. We could not believe it. Most of you probably know her, but I'm not going to mention her name because God's in charge. Now we got another set of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12.4. There's diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. Now notice the gifts of God come from the spirit. Okay. 
from his Holy Spirit. There's a difference of ministries, but the same Lord. There's a diversity of activities, but in the same God who worked all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one to profit all. For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. The interpretation of tongues, I'm sorry. But one and the same Spirit all works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, God and me have a little something in common. On Christmas Day, I don't give my children one gift each. I don't give my grandchildren one gift each. It's not unusual for God to give a person more than one of these gifts, many of them in some cases, because that's the generous God we have. He doesn't just give us one gift. He gives us multiple gifts. And on this checklist, I can say, Lord has blessed me with more than one of these gifts. And I'm sure there's many of you in this room that has this gift. But guess what? I'm afraid some of your gifts are still sitting in the package. They're just sitting there, dormant. They were valuable when God issued them to you. But you haven't unwrapped them, taken them out of the box, and putting them to use. In Ephesians 4, 7, it says, But each one of us was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he, he, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. I won't get into he led captivity captive, but when he ascended on high, when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to men. Now, unfortunately, you've got to read a whole other paragraph before you find out what those gifts are. And here's another set of gifts in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some to be teachers. Those are giftings from God through his Holy Spirit. Amen? So by now you know where this is going. But listen, there's one other subject I had to go outside the Bible to get some help with. And I got a writing from Dr. Charles Stanley. He used to listen to him on the radio. You know, he's still on there if you can find it. The guy is incredible. So the question is this. What is the difference between a talent and a spiritual gift? What is the difference? One of my talents is when I was a very young kid, I found out I could fix cars. I, could, I was fixing everybody's car in the neighborhood. It was a talent. But let's see where that talent came from. Now, what is the difference between a talent and a spiritual gift? Answer according to Dr. Charles Stanley. I'm not going to take credit for somebody else's work. 
There are similarities in the difference between talents and spiritual gifts. Both are gifts from God. Both grow in effectiveness with use. The more you use it, the better you get at it. No doubt about it. If I were to put Sue on the spot and put a microphone in front of her, I would say, what did it feel like the first time the Lord gave you a word and you had to speak it out in a crowd? I'm sure her knees were shaking, her palms were sweating, and the first couple of times she probably sat down and didn't say anything. Am I right, hon? Yeah, amen. It's, it's scary. What's it like to lay hands on somebody? And you know, are they going to be healed or not? I don't know. It doesn't matter. That's up to God how he handles the outcome of your gifting. But anyway... Both are gifts. Both grow in effectiveness with use. Both are intended to be used on behalf of others and not for selfish purposes. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, spiritual gifts are given to benefit others, not ourselves. As the two great commandments deal with loving God and others, it follows that one should use his talents for those purposes but to whom and when talents and spiritual gifts are given differs. A person, regardless of their belief in God or in Jesus Christ, is given a natural talent as a result of a combination of genetics, such as a natural ability to play music, a natural ability to have art, Natural beauty, mathematics, natural beauties, I could fix engines. Little did I find out, my father was an auto mechanic at one time and went training on that, okay? Or by the, they're influenced by their surroundings. They grow up in a musical family, or they aided one in developing a talent for music, or they had somebody that mentored them. Or because God desired to endow that certain individual with certain talents. Spiritual gifts are given to all believers only through the Holy Spirit. So there's the difference. A talent we can get from genetics. We can get that somebody taught us something. We can uh, learn from other people's behavior that poured into us, natural ability. But on the other hand, the spiritual gifts only come to Christians through the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts are given to all believers by the Holy Spirit, Romans 12, 3 to 6, at the time they place their faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Repent of our sins and ask Christ into our heart as our personal Savior. Now the spiritual gifts begin to flow through us. At that moment, the Holy Spirit gives to a new believer the spiritual gifts he desires the believers to have. And you'll see those gifts in 1 Corinthians 12.1. So let me summarize what I just said. Romans 12.3-8 listed the spiritual gifts of prophecy, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership, and showing mercy. 1 Corinthians listed the gifts of the words of wisdom, which means the ability to communicate spiritual wisdom. The word of knowledge, which means the ability to communicate practical truth. Faith, unusual reliance upon God, the working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, the ability to speak in a different language, and interpretation of tongues. 
And then there's a third list found in Ephesians 4, 10 to 12, which speaks of God giving to his church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. All, there is also a question as to how many spiritual gifts are there. As no two lists are the same, it is possible that the biblical list is not exhausted. There is more going on in that Bible than I am bringing up on this white paper today, no doubt about it. There is absolutely additional spiritual gifts more and above what I'm bringing across. While one may develop his talents and later direct his profession or hobby along those lines, spiritual gifts were given by the Holy Spirit for the building up of Christ's church. In that all Christians are to play an active part in the furtherance of the gospel of Christ. All are called and equipped to be involved in the work of the ministry. All are called and equipped. From minute one, those gifts that are imparted in you, you are automatically qualified. Guess what? That's the time you feel least qualified, without a doubt. But believe it or not, you are just as qualified on day one when you receive those gifts as you are four, five, six, 10, 15, 20 years later. All are gifted so that they can contribute to the cause of Christ with uh, Christ out of gratitude for all he has done for them. Hey, pastor's up here serving Christ because of what God has done for him. Pastor Chris, you're serving Christ because of what he's done for you. It doesn't go the other way. Oh, I'm going to be a pastor, God, and I'll show me what you're going to do. It doesn't work that way. It's because what God has done for them. It is the job of church leaders. Ready? I'm going to point this way for a minute. It's the job of church leaders to help build up the saints. And you're doing a great job with that, Pastor, when you introduce your ministry team and all the classes and all the teachers and, and everybody contributed to missions. You're doing a great job. So they can further equip for the ministry to which God has called them. The intended result of spiritual gifts is that the church as a whole can grow, being strengthened by the combined supply of each member of the body of Christ. Starts at home, it starts with our spouses, and then it continues through the church. And let me summarize the difference now between spiritual gifts and talents. A talent is a result of genetics and or training, while a spiritual gift is a result of the power of the Holy Spirit. A talent can be possessed by anyone, Christian or non-Christian, while gifts are possessed by Christians only. While both talents and spiritual gifts should be used for the glory, for God's glory, and to minister to others, spiritual gifts are focused on these tasks, while talents can be used entirely for non-spiritual purposes. Funny story, one of my previous pastors was having a lot of problems with his car, and he wanted to take a trip to Atlanta, Georgia. He said, Pat, will you fix my car for me? So, oh yeah, I started fixing it. There were so many problems, I had to call him up on Saturday night and say, Pastor, I can't come to church tomorrow. I see, because he was leaving Sunday afternoon. I said, there's so many things wrong with this car. The car keeps just falling apart in front of me. 
So, you know, I've run it a while, and this red heater hose is blowing, run this red heater hose in the belt. You know, it's just one thing after another. And I was working on his cars every evening for almost a week while he was preparing for his trip to Atlanta. So I got everything running. It's running fine. I closed the hood real fast, and I laid my hands on the car, and I prayed for that car. And I says, Lord, I can't do no more. He's got to leave for his trip, Lord. I leave this in your hands. Lord, I pray that this car runs safely and, and that it will go to Atlanta and there'll be no incidents and it'll have no problems. And he got all the way to his father-in-law's house in Atlanta, Georgia, when he pulled in a driveway right here, who's blue. So he made it those, what, 600, 700 miles without an incident, and God protected it. And that was me applying my young faith at the time to my practical talent that I had. And uh, th this stuff is real. This stuff is so real, no doubt about it. So our, our, uh, our talents can very well be used for non-spiritual reasons uh, and be effectively in your ministry because as you do things for people that's based on your talent, they're drawn to you. Conversations open up and they wonder why you do it, especially when they offer to pay you and you refuse. Or they give you $20 and you hand them 10 back or something like that. Then they're curious about your mindset of why would somebody do this for free? And there you go. The door is open, and you give your testimony. Amen? You know what I'm talking about, sister. We had a couple that lived across the street from me. They wanted to get a new stove. And he said, we have no way of getting it home from the store. Will you go get it for me? Will you help? I'll pay you. I'll pay you. Will you go get it for me? I'll pay you. So I went and got it. Helped it. Took it in the house. Helped hooked it up. And we were done. They reached in and gave me one. I said, no, I don't want no money. What do you mean you don't want no money? Where I come from, we pay everybody to do everything. I said, where I come from, we don't accept money for anything. I did it as a favor because you're my neighbor. And they were blown away. They could not believe it. So anyway, that was Charles Stanley's perspective and a little bit of mine. And it's taken from a resource that he wrote, The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life by Charles Stanley. Okay, well, let's go back to these gifts. I'm going to be about two minutes late. I made it short this week because I knew what was going to happen. And I told the pastor, I will be done by 1 o'clock. Um, but first, the gift must be given. Okay? So what we have here is a gift I have for the pastors. It's in limbo right now. It's a value, it was a value to Sue and myself. There was a cost involved. And like I said, as long as it's sitting here, it's worthless. It's worthless to me now because I've given it up. It's worthless to you because you haven't opened it and used it yet. So step one, the gift must be given. Step two, the gift must be received. And step three, the gift must be put into use. Amen? Let me give you another simple example. One day, I went to a garage sale of one of my sons. And he was selling a gift that I gave him that was never opened. <laughs> okay? Now, that gift cost Sue and I some money, but it sat dormant all these years. It was of no value and obviously of no value to him. I thought it was a neat gift, but I don't know. And ultimately, I hope somebody got a gifted out of that, you know? 
So can you imagine when I looked at that and Sue looked at that and she looked at me and I looked at her and we're like, okay. How does God feel when he gives us a gift and we don't tap into it? How do you think he feels? I've given you this gift. You know, yeah, okay, I'm broke, Lord. I can't make the bills. I've given you a talent. Go to work. Lord, I'm all alone in this problem. I don't know where to go. I've given you a church. Go to your church. Lord, my child is sick. What do you do? Go to your friends. Go to your families. Lay your hands on them yourself and pray for them. And watch God work. Amen? So often we make the mistake if we act, it's going to be instant results. I'll give you a classic example. Many times people come to me and they have a problem, and I say, okay, I'll pray for you. And I'll pray as hard as I can. I'll lay my hands on them. And then they will come back a day or two later and say, well, nothing's happened. I think I'm going to do this. And I say, wait a minute. Give God a chance to work. Okay? He doesn't work in your time frame. He doesn't work in my time frame. He works in his time frame. And it's always on time, isn't it? Isn't it? And you'd be surprised if you had patience what God will do through you. And, um, oh, geez, I could give you a million examples like that. So you can get this thing. God gives us these things and blesses us with them. And we don't use them. Oh. I already covered most of this already because I got ahead. I'm going to close with a scripture. It's a little lengthy one. It's a story. And um, it's the story about the talents. It's interesting. If you want to open your Bibles, it's Matthew 25, verse 14. And it's an interesting story that the Bible uses a term, talents. Okay. And... Um, some other Bibles, I think, may use some other monetary terms. But the definition is, it's roughly, I've heard, found two definitions, roughly a day's labor, okay, and the other one is $1,000 to our time. So here's how the story goes. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling for, to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on his journey. Now you notice he did not give them instructions what to do with these talents. You know why? I believe, I know my God, I know my Master. He gave them as a gift to me. He gave them as a gift to them. Okay? Now, the one, who gave, the one he gave five talents to, having a little time, it's in red print, and for some reason it's not real clear. And to the one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, two, okay. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who received one went and dug into the ground, and there he laid the king's 
the Lord's money. Basically, he buried it. Hmm. Isn't that something like putting it in a yard sale, right? A garage sale, right? Okay. So after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. And the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you roar over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have become faithful over a few things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came to the Lord and said, Lord, I know you can be a hard man, but here's what I did. I kind of just saved it and held on to it. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not seeded. So you ought to have at least deposited my money with the bankers. At my coming, you would have received some interest. Hmm. Interesting. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten. For, the, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even when he, what he has will be taken away, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gashing of teeth. Wow. That's powerful. He was willing to give back the one that he gave him, but that wasn't good enough. Because why? God gave these men talents. He gave them money. He gave them giftings. And he expected to see them be put to good use. And the insult to the Lord here was shown at the end when he says, you are unprofitable servant. So I close today to tell you, you can see God is very serious about what we do with our gifts and talents. But I'm going to tell you about one more gift. I can't close without this last gift. And out of Matthew 6, 23... It says, for the wages of sin is death. And we all were sinners at one time or another. Some may still be living a life of sin. But God said, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if you want the one and perfect gift and you've never had the opportunity to receive it, you don't want to lose the opportunity right now. And with that one important gift, 
the Son of Christ. If you probably don't quite understand what I'm talking about, but I'll be more than glad to explain it to you. Right now, you had that opportunity to come up here and says, tell me about this gift, and I'll share it with you. And if you accept it, shall we say, if you open the package, the Lord is promising you eternal life. This is for everybody. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.